This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by Bosbole.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, good morning. I'm Roshan Kanetson and welcome to Open for Business. Before we get to business, uh, let me forward sell what we've got coming up in two weeks. With AI coming in, cheap money dying and digitalization never ending, we answer the question what this all means for the future of Malaysian startups and businesses at this year's Enterprise Breakaway. Here from the keynote address from Lloyd Wan E, the founder of FarmFresh, we'll also have panelists from Tata Consultancy Services, Work, Gobi Partners, as well as scale up uh, Malaysia as well, as well as a lot of other experts across the industry. Ex, uh, Enterprise Breakaway is happening on Thursday, October the 19th, and you have a chance to win us a pair of tickets for the conference. All you got to do is answer this question correctly and send your name and email along with the answer over WhatsApp to 018-789-8899. The question is, a tech startup is classified as a unicorn once it hits $100 million in valuation. Is that true? or false. Once again, WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899 with your name and email address to get two free tickets. This event is presented by CIMB, moving forward with you. Now on to today's Open for Business. Um, Financing makes the business world go around. I think that's no secret. But unfortunately, access to financing has been uh, as uh, not as wide as we might like for a variety of reasons, including the way banks use data to assess the risks associated with borrowers. In response to this, a variety of fintech firms have come about to address this. And one of them is Malaysian homegrown supply chain finance and peer-to-peer financing platform, CapBay. CapBay has been uh, making a few headlines this year. Earlier this year, they surpassed the milestone of dispersing more than a billion ringgit to 400 underserved SMEs here in Malaysia. They were also named among the world's top 200 fintech businesses by CNBC and research firm Statista. Other than that, uh, they were recently brought into the Endeavor Fold, or at least were selected for the uh, for the international selection round, highlighting the potential of these entrepreneurs. And uh, just this week, won the Fintech News Malaysia Award for Best Islamic Fintech, if I'm not mistaken. I should know better. I was at the, <laughs> I was there to witness this all. Uh, speaking with me today are Kat Bacon founders Ang Xinxian and Daryl Ang. We're going to get into with early days of building this P2P financing platform. What started them down this path and the vision ahead for this Malaysian startup? Xiang, uh, Daryl, welcome to the show. How are you both doing? Long time no see. <laughs> long time. Thanks so much for having us, especially having a after a long day of hosting the FinTech Frontend News Conference yesterday. Um, always nice to engage like other FinTech enthusiasts. But I have to say, I'm surprised you're not bored of uh, talking to another FinTech. <laughs> Oh, never bought, uh, never bought, Daryl. This is probably the thing that gets me up every morning. Come and speak to all these different folks who are doing different things here. Uh, Sian, good to see you again. Last time we was you were on, it was it was uh, Enterprise Bizbytes. We were talking about the different types of financing facilities. How have you been since then? Oh, no, I'm great to be back. Yeah, uh, can't wait to uh, go through with the uh, listener today. Uh, Daryl, I know you were on the grill just uh, about two months ago, mm-hmm. so we're not going to go that angle with a lot of the conversation. <laughs> if anyone wants to listen to uh, Daryl getting uh, grilled, you can listen to the conversation with Mark Tan on the web- BFM website. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, though, um, let's talk about the story of uh, Cat Bay. Uh, it started in 2017. It's been a, a, 
uh, a promising journey. It's been a lot of milestones along the way. Um, but I'm curious to know, like, yes, financing can be a very lucrative business, but there are plenty of other ways to make money in this business. Why did the two of you and your other co-founders jump into the world of supply chain finance and peer-to-peer financing? Yeah, uh, maybe I can share that. So it, it all started when I was trying to help my father. So actually, if a lot of people don't know, for a fisherman or any fish trader, if you sell your fish or anything to the supermarket, typically it takes six months to pay. So wow, um, really? Yeah, yeah, it's quite common, right? So um, if you don't want to do that, you can actually sell to a middleman, but um, you probably have to give up 20, 30% of the margin. So I was trying to solve that problems for my family business and uh, looking for different financing solutions. So that kind of sparked my interest in supply chain finance. And um, over the years, I uh, have more exposure to different businesses. And this, I think that's how we really got the, we see the opportunities because this is the same story we hear, not just in my family business, but it's the same story we hear across hundreds of thousands of people uh, SMEs suffering in Malaysia and across Southeast Asia. See, maybe elaborate a little bit on the problem here, right? Mm. So, uh, I mean, you gave us a great example there. So for your father, mm. uh, six months of waiting for cash to come into the bank is, is not a, for any business, mm. that's some serious credit terms there. And then you have to take a haircut if you give it to a middleman. Um, why does this problem exist? And, um, and uh, yeah, why does this problem exist in the current ecosystem? I think the challenges is just that uh, small businesses find it difficult to access financing. Mm. And then um, the banks do not have enough data to serve, to, to evaluate small businesses. And generally, because small businesses borrow small amount of money, it's just not as profitable for the banks. And uh, as uh, Cat Bay, what we do is therefore we will have to use a very different approach in serving this particular market other than using alternative uh, data, uh, different model, digital enabled credit scoring approach, and then a digital approach with a lower cost serve to reach out to this market and that actually enable us to do discount deals. In fact, one of the smallest deal we have done before is actually five ringgit, uh, digital financing to a truck drivers. Wow. Yeah. You can go that micro with the with the tech that you have. Yeah, yeah. So talk to us a bit about, so clearly uh, a bit of your story here, You why this uh, you got into this business. Um, when did you rope, up, rope in the other three uh, co-founders here, including our friend sitting in the seat next to you? We have been talking about this idea since 2013. Wow, yeah, okay. I think it's just when 2017, uh, we think the right time, uh, the time is right, the market were all talking about fintech securities commissions were open to the idea of uh, digital lending. Yeah. And when, so you're talking about from 2013, so at that point for the both of you and uh, the other co-founders, was it just a waiting game to see what the SC would do at that point? Or did you have any inkling that this was going to come up? Like how did you think you, you were going to solve the problem? I think it took quite a few years to really think about it because I think at 2013, we were all still students. I think uh, <laughs> Daryl actually wrote a thesis uh, about uh, P2P financing, uh, 20,000 words uh, on that. And uh, we were just still researching as students. Yeah. Uh, Daryl, what's the TLDR of your thesis? 20,000 words, <laughs> give it to us in like 60. Yeah, no, so um, it was essentially on, um, it was essentially a case study on, on funding circle. Um, so it's a very similar business model. Um, so they are peer-to-peer financing, start out of peer-to-peer financing, um, focusing on SMEs. Uh, they have a very good track record and, you know, they, they started in 2010 um, and they actually IPO'd uh, at a 2.4 billion valuation eight years later. Mm. Um, so I think uh, it just goes to show that there are fintechs out there uh, within the lending space that have done well globally. And 
when did why did you jump on uh, jump into this Daryl because Zen has a has a particular personal story here mm. uh, obviously you had some interest you wrote 20,000 uh, word <laughs> pieces yeah. Um, yeah why did you join him in on this group on this journey yeah so I think I think it was that um, that whole aspect I think you know just not only um, the report the master's report I think um, when I was uh, during my time in Bank Negara I think there was um, you could see already there's a lot of like funding gap for SMEs I think there was a pain point um, that that uh, Um, the whole Malaysian government and ecosystem is trying to solve. Um, so I think ultimately, when it comes to CAPB, I think we think of it, uh, ourselves as like helping the SMEs to actually um, get access to financing and actually then be able to grow their business to actually you know take the next step uh, to actually scale as well. Now the thing, uh, so the reason why there's this problem is because the traditional financial institutions. Don't want to lend to micro SMEs because either they can't assess the risk or the risk is too high. There's not enough information there. Um, Catbe has built a credit model that works in this space, or at least looks like it works in this space for now. Um, but you're focusing on supply chain finance. Tell us a bit about how the model works because you have some impressive numbers here. Less than 0.1% default rate. Uh, funding societies, I think, is just under 3%. Typically, that's what you expect for this kind of market. Um, talk to us about the the credit model you're using and the data points that help power this. Right. I think it's good to kind of give everyone a sense of what supply chain finance really is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So essentially, um, there are two... Th- If you are businesses, you're going to buy, you're going to sell. So if you want to buy something, CapBay actually help you pay your supplier first so that you actually can pay us later. Or if you sell something to your customers instead of waiting for three months, six months to pay to collect your money, CapBay actually pay you first and then collect from your customers later. So um, this actually means that we are not just give some, giving somebody money, but we actually have a lot more visibility over how the money is being used and where the money is going to come from for repayment eventually. And that's actually where the, really the... the Uh, data is all about. So instead of just looking at the typical P&L, which is actually very historical, and for SMEs, it's actually not accurate and actually is also outdated because SME business is very dynamic. We look at what we call a future uh, data points. So for example, for us, it's more about um, who you are doing business with, uh, how big is your uh, uh, monthly flow, uh, monthly contract. Historically, historically, have you been doing something similar? Is it something? Uh, is it a new contract? Uh, what is the performance risk like? And what the the difficult part of all these things is actually about uh, putting answering all these unstructured mm. questions in a data driven approach, and then uh, structuring it uh, and such that uh, the machine or a uh, 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 credit. Uh, models can actually read about all this data, and that's something. Uh, that's why actually, Catbit. Why we keep saying that um, the way to solve this whole SME financing gap is actually not just pushing the banks to lend more. It's not just pushing the SMEs to borrow more. It's really about building the financing infrastructure of tomorrow to enable all this smarter and more inclusive financing to take place. So you, you're using uh, the supplies that people are bringing in because if you bring in supplies, the likelihood is you sell the supplies mm. to generate revenue. So you're forward looking, and you're basing it on the expected. Cash flows coming in, and that's how you're able to. That's right. That's right. Uh, is there any collateral in all of this? Um, very common. Most, well, most of the cases we don't take collaterals. Uh, there are situations where we actually quite. Com- uh, there are situations where we actually take collateral, especially if the risk is higher than expected. And then uh, cap bait nowadays because uh, we are not just serving as a supply chain finance player. We cannot just serve only the small players. We have to serve 
uh, the entire value chain. So mm. along the value chain, there will be small, there will be big players. So for big players where the exposure tends to be in the range of millions, that's it's very common that we take collateral in that situation. So you're talking about the ability to give five ringgit loans, mm. but also up to a few million ringgit loans. Yeah, yeah. Up to oh, 20. financing, sorry, to be more accurate. Yeah, yeah, financing. Jens, we've got to go into a... Yes. we got to go into a few messages. When we come back, we'll get into the a bit of the story, the building of the MVP mm. and the key challenges along the way. Uh, folks, I've been speaking with uh, two of the co-founders of Malaysian Supply Chain Finance and peer-to-peer financing platform, CatBay. We'll be back in just a bit. I'm Roshan Kanesan. You're listening to Open for Business. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Buggy Free Minum, BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business is powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9. Hey, folks, welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Richard Kynison, and this morning I've been speaking with two of the co-founders of Malaysian Supply Chain Finance and peer-to-peer financing platform, Cat Bay, in the studio. I've got Ang Xingxian and Daryl Ang. Um, let's talk a little bit about the journey. So, Xian, you gave us a really good picture of why this started. Daryl, you wrote a 20,000-word thesis on uh, P2P lending. So obviously, there was interest there already. Uh, and the key problem was, again, just the data sets that were available to help back any financing to smaller businesses or alternative businesses. Since 2017, CapBay has now dispersed 2.5 billion ringgit to over 1,600 businesses and has opened up offices in Singapore and Thailand. We even hit profitability last year. Looking back, take us through some of the key milestones and challenges along the way uh, that you've encountered in this six-year journey. Let's start with some of the key milestones. Right? What, what are the first things that come to mind? I think uh, milestones was, um, was, of course, like getting the SE license mm. um, in 2019. Um uh, so, so that was one of the key licenses. I think um, before that, I think we've had track record in terms of like giving SMEs uh, loans and all. I think having the SE license um, helps to validate this, and also uh, because previously we raised from uh, institutional investors, banks. I think now uh, with the SE license, it also opens up uh, to retail investors where they are now uh, able to invest alongside these uh, um, institutional and banks. Um, so I think that was one of the key milestones. And then from there, I think we just started growing and growing. I think for us, um, track record and like uh, credit, uh, asset quality that is good um, is key. Uh, and that kind of built our track record around that. Um, and that kind of made us uh, more money flow into this business. Yeah. I presume that along the way, some of the challenges would have been getting people on board, right? Getting mm-hmm. buy-in, especially when you were building this at the very start. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that process of, you know, who was the who were the first who was the first significant uh, client that you guys brought in, and how did you do that? Yeah, no, I, I think a lot of things have changed, right? So when we first started, uh, <laughs> I always I always say that the, the very first loan that the, the, sorry the very first financing we gave was actually six thousand. So we found we just built a random website. So I became the we have to I became the lawyer. The other co-founder Edwin was the had to become a tech guy, and then. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, we just found random stranger online, provide a 6,000 ringgit financing to somebody who supplies 
uh, who import lab equipment and supply to a local university. And that's our very first loan, you know, 6,000 ringgit from our savings. And uh, I think at that point, as you are right, I think it was actually difficult for us to gain credibility. So um, nobody was willing to give us money to lend out. So mm-hmm. we're really just using our savings, borrowing money from friends and families. Uh, so I think the first significant, the, 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 I think the first significant client really come actually after the whole, uh, uh, the P2P license, mm. um, the, after the P2P license uh, approval. Yeah, that's where really we enable the, the, the model to transform into like a marketplace financing. So the money is no longer just using our own funds, but we have uh, a very scalable fundings coming from institutional investors. Uh, in this case, coming all the way from banks, uh, asset managers. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that, and all that happened around 2019, 2020. Yeah, and then maybe just to add on to that, I think post that, post the IC license, I think we got that more recognition as well. I think, for example, you know, not just on the investor side, but also on the issue, the SME side. So, for example, I think um, we were one of the selectors, one of the few uh, fintech partners to uh, operate the telecom uh, Malaysia. The only fintech ven- partners. Yeah, the only <laughs> fintech partners actually, um, you know, run the um, f- uh, supply chain finance vendor program mm. for them. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, it's both sides of the platform. Um, so I think now we are talking to many, many more um, GLCs, mm. uh, government uh, government agencies to actually um, help the SMEs within this ecosystem. Uh, Zian, you mentioned the website that you guys built. Um, was that the MVP? Was that the first version or the pri- the the basic version of the product that was built? A website which people could go to to apply for financing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, we started with just uh, we we just a uh, WordPress uh, template. I was going to ask, did you use Square, Squarespace or WordPress at the time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, WordPress. You know, just uh, and then a few guys sit together. We couldn't afford the brand name Cat Bay. Okay. Because the, the domain would cost us 20 over 1,000 ringgit. Wow. So we started with cap, capitalbay.com.my that cost us about 200 ringgit. <laughs> yeah. and, and it only did a transition in 20, uh, around 27, uh, 2019, I think. That must yeah. have been a significant milestone for you guys as well, going from Capital Bay. <laughs> Cap what, Bay. what was it? Capitalbay.com.my to yeah, Capitalbay.com. Nice, com. sweet name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when did you both know, when did all of you know that you had product market fit? Because that's not always the clearest uh, journey for a lot of people. For I, I think it was actually during the COVID time. Okay. So um, honestly, I think up until uh, the COVID, uh, until COVID, our plan was oh, we always see ourselves as not just a partner to the bank, at, at the same time a disruptor to mm. the bank. Mm-hmm. And um, we realized that actually uh, the right strategy for us was actually about uh, disrupting the. Uh, focusing on the supply uh, factoring market, one of the products under supply chain finance. So we see that there were a lot of opportunities to actually take market shares from the existing factoring uh, companies. Mm. So we actually changed our focus to focus very much on that sector. And then uh, we didn't, I think during the COVID when um, the with all this lockdown, um, the traditional approaches didn't work anymore and we managed to grow our market share and became the largest uh, player uh, in Malaysia for the factoring industries and that actually end up becoming the one that contribute to a big part of our uh, volumes today. Yeah, because your business is, there's a reason why you say supply chain financing and P2P financing because these are two different kinds of businesses here. Mm. Um, and when you take a look at this market, you seem to be prioritizing the supply chain side of things, mm. although you still use the P2P side from the technical perspective, it's quite valuable. Mm. Um, there are quite a few players in this space. 
uh, obviously, uh, funding societies is a big one in uh, a key player in the space with extensive volume of financing. Just this year, they announced they dis- they dispersed three billion US dollars, or just about thirteen billion ringgit, to almost a hundred thousand SMEs. But that's obviously, of course, Southeast Asia. Is your focus um, on supply chain finance enough of a differentiation uh, for you? Can't be over the longer term. I think if we. Uh if we look at the the basis of supply chain finance, you know, helping people, helping businesses buy uh, and sell, actually that kind of applies to most of the uh, businesses in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, when we look at the total SME financing gap, uh, we see our addressable market size to be somewhere around 60, 70% of that. So um, it's actually not that big difference. The, if anything, is the approach that we are taking is totally different. Um, the whole idea of focusing on very short-term financing, um, focusing on... Uh, how the money is to be used, uh, how and then how to control the collection through supply chain finance technique and uh, building all our technologies around that. Mm-hmm. And in fact, uh, we are so specialized that uh, we are the, probably the only Malaysian um, tech companies where our supply chain finance platform is actually being used by the banks. Okay. So and, me, yeah. yeah, maybe I can just add on that. So Please. I think, you know, in terms of the platform, I think um, something that is less known or less talked about is actually we do work together with banks to actually provide a supply chain finance platform. Um, so that that's part of the enterprise fintech solutions business that we do. Um, so essentially, you know, in a nutshell, it's just uh, we are a tech enabler for a lot of banks and large corporates to actually implement supply chain finance. So globally, you know, supply chain finance is, uh, has been around and I think um, a lot of the banks, like 64% of them, um, actually own their own supply chain finance platform, but locally, uh, like local banks, like the smaller ones, um, only 13%. So there's actually a significant uh, market there um, for to introduce supply chain finance platform to these banks. Is this, so with the, essentially you're white labeling the tech to other providers there, other banks who may want to address this market for them. Um, how much, how big of a business is this in the context of your overall revenue generation? Yeah, um, right now it's about 10 to 15% of our businesses already. And in fact, uh, the main thing that we are looking at is actually not really just the, the money or revenue collect, collecting from the banks, but the collaboration itself actually gives us, give us a lot more data. Because mm. uh, in this case, the banks are actually financing their clients on the CatBay platforms. And then we actually work with them to provide, uh, for example, to complement the bank to provide financing to some of the um, smaller, play, smaller, cli- smaller vendors within, let's say, a, a big uh, buyer ecosystem, right? The banks probably take the top 20, 30 and CapBay would take the bottom 100. Yeah. And at the same time, still leveraging on the same infrastructure. But I'm guessing the top 10, 20 would have been also much higher ticket uh, ticket sizes mm-hmm. and maybe more suitable for the banks to take on. Exactly. exactly. And they need a much lower, they, they demand a very low financing uh, rates as well. And that, that wouldn't be too suitable for most of the P2P investors anyway. Um, Zian, Daryl, we've got to go into the 10.30am news bulletin, uh, but we'll be back in just a bit to talk about the journey ahead. Folks, I've been speaking with the co-founders of Malaysian Supply Chain Finance and peer-to-peer financing platform, CapBay. I'm Roshan Kanesan. We're going into the news bulletin right now, but we'll be back in just a bit. So keep it here at BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossPolly.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Burgers from Mamas. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by Bosbole.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. 
BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanitsen and this morning I've been speaking with two of the co-founders of Malaysian Supply Chain Finance and Peer-to-Peer Financing Platform, CapBay. We've got Ang Zingxian and Daryl Ang in the studio with us. Before we continue our discussion, just want a quick reminder for everybody that in two weeks' time, we've got the Enterprise Breakaway. Uh, Loy Tuan E of Farm Fresh will be there. We've got Aerodyne, Work, Gobi Partners, a variety of topics covered from the death of cheap money to whether AI is going to replace us all. All that and more happening on October 19th at CCEC at the Vertical Bangsa South. To win a pair of tickets, answer this question. Startup becomes a tech unicorn when it hits $100 million in valuation. Is that true or false? Send your name and email address over WhatsApp to 018-789-8899. We've already got four responses in. Uh, Looking forward to see more of you answer that question. This event is presented by CIMB. Moving forward with you. Sian, Daryl, thanks for sticking through the news break with me and through that uh, little bit of a promo for our event, which I will send you both invites for, of course. Um, you know, the, the big difference between what Cap Bay does and what traditional finance does is banks have access to, let's call it cheap capital, right? Yeah. They, can, they can raise deposits to uh, from regular people to then lend that money out at a higher interest rate, which allows them to do uh, cheaper financing uh, rates. So... But with your business, you have to raise money on one end, usually from either P2P or from other investors, and then you lend that out. So on one side, you have to manage the supply of financing where people are expecting a higher rate of return compared to uh, where you would see with banks or FDs. And on the other side, you have to make sure there's demand for this financing, which you've shown. So how, how is it like to manage this balance between raising funds from investors who are looking for a return and uh, dispersing those funds to SMEs that need it. Yeah, yeah. So I think maybe just to um, um, get the ball rolling, I think I just wanted to mention, uh, back when I was doing the the thesis, I think there was a term that my professor used and talked about, which sounded really interesting. Uh, Back then, I was just nodding and pretending to know. But as soon as I left the room, I I Googled it. And the term used was uh, financial disintermediation. So whatever you just... Wow, sorry, say that again for us. (laughs) (laughs) Financial disintermediation. So what you just explained was was exactly that. Um, So you said... Essentially, um, you know, um, uh, directly connecting funds between borrowers and lenders without an intermediating, th- intermediating uh. bank. Uh, so investors can directly fund SMEs uh, that need money. Um, so actually, we see this as a great way um, to solve the whole underserved SME financing gap. I think um, one other thing that I wanted to mention as well, I think, you know, having experience in, in Bank Negara, I think uh, uh, although the cost of funds are cheap, but they also have uh, capital requirements like uh, mm. RWA and RWCR requirements. Uh, that makes it a little bit um, more um, expensive uh, in the grander scheme of things. So capital requirements means that the bank needs to keep a certain percentage of that capital with them at all times, correct? Yeah, yeah, so um, they can't the, be raising a hundred million in deposits and lending out a hundred million in deposits. Yeah, exactly. So currently, the minimum requirements is eight percent, but in general, banks tend to have at least like twelve percent uh, in terms of uh, RWA buffers. Yeah. So then. Um, <laughs> to your question, um, you know, in terms of like the balancing act, yes. Yeah, so because we do have uh, both sides of the platform, um, so I think. When, when P2P first started, uh, or actually when I was doing the, the research, uh, it came out of the financial crisis mm. um, uh, of 2008, the global financial crisis. Um, so it was a point where uh, interest rate was rising, but there was also a credit crunch. 
Um, so that's where the balance actually comes in as well, because I think ultimately uh, we do need to provide that um, investment returns for the investors. Uh, but at the same time, um, it cannot be too high that uh, it makes it very difficult for SMEs to borrow. Um, so for us, I think we see quite a bit of um, balance that needs to be made. I think it's uh, initially it it was uh, to a point where we're seeing a lot of demand from the SMEs, uh, but not having enough funds to actually uh, support all this. Um, but now I think because of our track record in actually building a very sustainable uh, credit assets, um, we have now seen quite a bit of like flows coming in uh, from investors or banks to actually want to finance um, this uh a uh, good track record of uh, assets. Uh, give us a sense for the demographic of investors that are putting their money uh, with you to then be lent out. Mm. So for us, <clears throat> um, actually majority of our, a large majority of our business is actually um, institutional and banks. Mm -hmm. um, so within the retail investor space, um, because of our uh, minimum investment of uh, 10,000 ringgit, uh, it's a bit skewed towards uh, more experienced investors, uh, which is typically um, those 30 to 40 years uh, age bucket. Um, and that's just generally how, how um, we curated uh, the whole um, investment product to actually meet uh, the needs where uh, it tends to be uh, very easy to use. You know, you just deposit your money in there uh, or, sorry, invest your money in there. Um, <laughs> and then you can just turn on an auto-invest that allows us to um, spread out um, all the risk uh, across multiple different notes. So it's unlike, like, you know, it's not a stock-picking exercise. You don't actually have to read each note. Uh, in fact, <laughs> I think it will be very time-consuming if you if you were to take that. Um, so we just want to make it a very seamless and, and uh, very, you know, it's as though like um, you just uh, putting your money in and then you just sit back, relax and just see the interest grow. So your investors are typically expecting between, I'm ballparking here, between 8 and 10% uh, return. Your maximum cost of, uh, the maximum uh, um, interest rate that you can charge, I think is about 18% per annum here in Malaysia. So there is a bit of that, uh, that gap there. Um, 18% per annum is, is a lot of money to pay for interest uh, for any business. Mm. But businesses typically are using this for much shorter term tenures. So we're talking about maybe 1.5% a month. Talk to us about the type of businesses that are using this facility and why they're using it for. So um, for us, generally for Cat Bay, um, borrowers pay about 12-13%, which is about 1% mm. a month. Uh, so typically, the, the, because it's supply chain finance, they see us as... Uh, probably giving an early payment discount. So for example, if I am supposed, if I have a deal and my profit margin is 20% uh, and my customers will pay me in three months time. But uh, if I use Cat Bay, I have a 3% cost. So uh, that means that my profit margin will go down from 20 to 17, but I'll get my cash immediately. And I get to do a lot more business. I can do another round of 17%, two rounds, three rounds. So I make a lot more money. And that is actually how... Um, Borrowers, uh, so-called issuers, don't really see Cat Bay as uh, expensive financing. So they're buying time, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that allow, enable them to do a, a lot more businesses. So they, uh, they basically, they don't have to wait for the cash flow. They get the cash flow today with a 2 or 3% discount, a 1% discount per month, essentially. Mm. And then they can then reinvest that money or do go another and things. do other things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then when the money comes in, that money goes to be to pay back the note, essentially. That goes to the investors. Exactly, exactly. So it's actually very cheap for the SMEs, but actually it results in a fairly healthy you for the investors. Talk to us a little bit about the, the customer mix and demographics on the uh, demand side. 
So typically, we have uh, a big part of our uh, so-called issuers, the business issuers, actually supply to large corporates and uh, GLCs and also the government. So, um, so you've got good, you, you've got people who will pay like, basically on that end. Correct, correct. And it's one of the main reasons why our default rate has re- remained so low, right? Um, overall, give us a sense for the, you act as a facilitator here, right? You're not there making a spread. Banks can borrow money from, sorry, can take in deposits to lend and then they make the spread in between that on the interest. Uh, you are a facilitator uh, for the most part, and but you also have a white label software service as well. Talk to us about the business model here and uh, the uh, what else you're looking to generate revenue going forward. Mm, right. So um, on average, uh, like I mentioned earlier on, so um, typically every, um, because we charge the SMEs 12, 13%, uh, investors get uh, quite consistently 8.3% mm. over the past uh, uh, few years. Based on historical data, yes, I yes. presume. Right. Yes. So um, typically that means that we probably make a spread of uh, 4 to 5% there. And then uh, every transactions, we actually make uh, transaction fees and that's the main income. Um, and then uh, whenever the banks use our platforms and um, they also, we also charge uh, kind of like a SaaS uh, fee as well. So in general, uh, CapBay, we have been able to um, generate healthy um, revenue. I think our gross margin typically is above 70%. And uh, that's one of the main reasons why we have been able to kind of build a sustainable business without uh, burning the cash and still keep growing at a uh, uh, fairly, fairly high growth. In fact, uh, we grow more than almost 10 times uh, in the past, uh, since the last two years. Right, so there is a spread to be made between the the cost of your cost of your capital and the uh, money you make from the interest that you charge. There's a service revenue as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you say 70 percent gross margins? Yeah. Or 17? Seven zero. <laughs> Seven zero. Okay. Yeah. I just need to make sure. Um, which is, I guess, part of the reason why you guys hit profitability last year. Yeah. Which we're going to dive to uh, right after this. We're going into a few messages now. Folks, I've been speaking to the two of the co-founders of Malaysian Supply Chain Finance and peer-to-peer financing platform Cat Bay. We'll be back in just a bit to continue this conversation on Open for Business. So keep it here at BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Business-filled minds, BFM 89.9. Open for Business is powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Gunderson and this morning I've been speaking with two of the co-founders of Malaysian Supply Chain Finance and peer-to-peer platform CatBay. In the studio, I have Daryl Ang and Ang Zingxian. Um, earlier, we uh, before we went to the break, we were talking about the model of the business and uh, you're looking at about right now 70% gross margins here. Um Talk to us a little bit about where you are in terms of revenue generation and what you expect revenue growth to be like for the uh, when you hit the end of this year. Yeah, sure. So I think, um, like what Singchen mentioned, I think um, those are some of the revenue streams that we've been getting. Um, you know, our revenue has grown 10x over the last two years in the span of two years. Um, so I think for us, we still want to remain focused in terms of our bread and butter. But at the same time, um, going forward, I think we have already, without going too, too much into details, we've actually um, started uh, building uh, ways to actually um, serve the SMEs um, to uh, help them them to digitize the business, um, ultimately building, latching on to the um, uh, relationship that we've had uh, and grown over the past few years with all these SMEs. 
So with that, um, with that relationship, um, there might come a sense of, um, I think you're kind of teasing that out there, optionality in terms of where else the business can go, mm-hmm. other services, other products that SMEs may need, right? So you become like a partner to them indirectly, kind of like what banks have done over the long term, right? You build a relationship with SME businesses or your business clients and then provide them other things that they may need. Um, what else uh, and I think you haven't been shy talking about the fact that you're actively looking for joint ventures mergers uh, acquisitions with key other key players across the value chain uh, to I guess establish this omni-channel platform essentially um, what are you is what are you looking for in these potential JVs and MAs and what kind of value add or product offerings are you looking to bring in to cap in the longer term in general, it's always data and ecosystem because okay. um, on, in our view, I think that um, with the development of, of AI, it's going to get more and more commoditized. And then the most important resource over the next few years is going to be data mm-hmm. and ecosystem, proprietary data. And uh, that's what we have been actually investing a lot in other than uh, really, really uh, investing in the data infrastructure, organizing the uh, data that comes to Cat Bay. I think right now we are looking at investing into different ecosystems so that we can actually enhance the data density on the platform so that we can actually do a much better uh, data-driven um, credit decisioning. Uh, are you at any point looking to go beyond financing or is financing the key focus for Cat Bay? Financing will always remain. I think we see that as our vision and mission. Uh, it will still remain as the key focus of Cat Bay. So um, we are. So what we are. The, the plan is actually not so much for us to provide all these other services ourselves, but actually for other players, including the banks, to actually provide mm-hmm. embedded services, financial services through the Cat Bay platforms, and then we actually let those data help us actually provide financing better. We have started this and we have seen, uh, like I mentioned earlier, actually we have already a few banks that have onboarded uh, to the CapBit platforms. And then uh, we hope that this will be one of the main areas to drive uh, the growth over the next few years as well. Um, what else are you looking to drive growth going forward um, in the next few years? Um, region X, other than uh, offering, uh, enhancing the data density, mm-hmm. I think uh, regional expansion is a big part of our business. Uh, we have in Singapore and Thailand right now? Singapore and Thailand. Uh, we have launched it uh, this year. Um, act- we are at the same time looking at a few other countries as well. So ultimately, we believe that Southeast Asia right now it's going to be a big economy over over time. But right now, it's a very fragmented economy. Mm. So somebody needs to be there in connecting the trades, uh, the players, the businesses buying and selling from each other. Um, I, the banks, because um, different regulators are regulating it so tightly, it's very hard for them to actually kind of uh, work with each other. Whereas uh, Cap Bay, we believe that uh, with the good setup and the technology, we are able to actually connect all these business trades better. Uh, in fact, being a Malaysian fintech, we believe that this is also an opportunity for us to put Malaysia at the center of all these trades. Yeah, I see that's a good segue I wanted to mention as well in <laughs> yeah. terms of, uh, you know, Malaysia is actually one of the top three countries in Islamic financing assets, having over mm-hmm. 3 trillion ringgit. Um, so naturally for us, I think Sharia financing is also a main uh, focus for us. I think we've actually seen our uh, Sharia financing grow by 4x in just over the last year. And now it's about 50 percent of our p2p financing notes that we've issued yeah and i think that kind of resulted in you guys winning the islamic uh fintech top uh top islamic fintech awards, award yeah. at mm-hmm. the awards on uh, wednesday uh, i guess showing the i guess the the sharia or sharia financing market actually is a really prominent market here in malaysia so mm-hmm. it's good to see people building it out and i think there are a lot of other players in the space as mm-hmm. well um as you so i think 
Zian, one of the things you were talking about earlier was kind of alluded to trade financing possibly becoming quite a key part of the business over the longer term if you establish offices in other countries and then you facilitate uh, that financing in between. Is that something you're looking at? Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's definitely part of our roadmap. I think we believe that supply chain will not be just about domestic supply chain. I think the main reason is that uh, um, it is just a very fragmented economy, right? So if I were to go two, three layers, some A buy from B, who buy from C and buy from D, very soon it will actually go overseas. Yeah. Um, with the few minutes we have remaining, uh, so I have very limited data in terms of how much funds you've raised. Uh, but based on the crunch-based data I have available, uh, CapBay has raised just under 28 million USD in funding over three rounds. This was data as of December 2021. Obviously, it's been a few years since then. Then the last, that December 2021 round saw Kananga come in, uh, I think in an equity round, if I'm not mistaken. Talk to us a little bit about the extent of the funding secured by CapBay and whether you're looking to raise funds and for what purpose going forward. Yeah, sure. Um, so actually, we've uh, raised over $50 million uh, uh, in terms of both equity and, and debt. So that actually forms quite a large uh, component because actually we use that money to then on-lend um, to SMEs. Um, so in terms of our fundraising, I think um, for us... Um, we are not in a rush, I think, uh, in terms of uh, because we have uh, been profitable already. Um, but ultimately, I think we do uh, are still open to engage and uh, with investors that can ultimately uh, create value um, and share our long term vision in terms of uh, helping the SMEs in, in, in the whole Southeast Asian region. I know uh, you mentioned your 70% gross margins earlier, which must be really attractive to investors. But talk to us about the key cost factors here, because I'm sure the net margin is not um, as um, strong as that, right? It's not. So talk to us about the key cost factors involved here. Yeah, sure. So I think uh, in terms of um, uh, tech, uh, development, I think that's that's a key cost factor. Um, so all in all, um, we do have quite a bit that we invest. But ultimately, I think the key thing for us uh, when we look at, at ourselves in terms of our business um, is that we don't uh, contribute to the industry. Uh, we've actually not had to lay off any people. Um, even during the COVID crisis, I think we actually spend a lot of time on our people and we place a lot of em- emphasis on job stability and, and long-term growth. I think that that's quite key to us. Uh, so talent and tech being the two big ones, big cost factors for you guys. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, just around six years into this journey of uh, between the two of you, and maybe we can minus the COVID time there, but still, um, give us a sense for what you guys think is the most likely type of exit for this kind of business. Mm-hmm. I think you know exit is, is a few years away. <laughs> I think we're, we're very still focused on, on growing the business, and uh, the business has still a lot of uh, potential to grow. Um, and I think you know my experience in, in investment banking before. I think you learned that um, market keeps changing yeah. and timing is everything. Uh, for example, you know spec used to be very popular. And I think you know it's less <laughs> so now. Uh, so who knows how what what the market will, will be like in, in three to five years time? But having said that, I think you know what we want to do is continue to invest in, in tech and talent, as what we mentioned, um, and innovation to actually ensure that the company remains at the forefront of like the fintech industry all right um uh, zian any uh, parting words before we wrap up yeah um well i think we hope to have many of you to join us on the uh, our journey in supporting the smes in fact we actually even prepare a promo code for yeah. the <laughs> listeners today so yeah if you just sign up and you use a promo code of bfm100 you'll get a hundred ringgit into your p2p account when you register and top up a minimum deposit <laughs> well done. Uh, I didn't know that was coming, but uh, thank you so much for that for the listeners. Um, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. 
All right, thank thanks you so much, much for thanks. having us, Roshan. Uh, folks, you've been listening to a conversation with the co-founders of Malaysian Supply Chain Finance and peer-to-peer financing platform CapBay. I was speaking with the co-founders Ang Sinsian and Daryl Ang. I'm Roshan Kinison. You've been listening to Open for Business. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Are you open for business? Register your company with BossBalay.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.